vehicle leasing is on the agenda today as I talk with Dennis Kelly, Director of Fleet Partners NZ. Fleet Partners is New Zealand's leading provider of vehicle leasing, fleet management and heavy commercial vehicle leasing. Hello Dennis. Hi Adrian, hey thanks for the opportunity, it's good to catch up, good to, good to see you. Um, th- thanks for the intro, yeah a little, a little bit about our background, um, Fleet Partners. Uh, we actually commenced in, in 1977 um, down in Christchurch, believe it or not, as Avis Lease. Um, so okay. absolutely the pioneer of uh, motor vehicle leasing in, in the New Zealand market. Um, history from there, we uh, we changed our name uh, to Asanda Fleet Partners in 1996. And at that stage, that's when the ANZ had actually uh, come in and, and purchased Avis Lease. Um, and stayed as a Santa Fleet Partners, which is a brand a lot of Kiwis have probably re- probably recognised um, through to 2006 when um, ANZ sold the business uh, to private equity. Um, and so we uh, dropped the Santa piece and just became plain old Fleet Partners as, as we've stayed ever since. We listed yeah. on the ASX um, Australian Stock Exchange in 2014. Uh, and just give you a uh, listeners a bit of a, a sense of the size of the business we've got two billion Australian dollars worth of vehicles out on lease currently in Australia and New Zealand that's 90,000 vehicles it's cars like commercials uh, trucks heavy commercials and trailers and so forth and us Kiwis we're about 25% of of, uh, of the group pretty much 25% on every metric size of the portfolio number of vehicles profit wise um, we've got four offices in New Zealand, Auckland, where I'm speaking from, is our is our head office. Then we've got Hamilton, Wellington, and Christchurch. You mentioned uh, market share. We're, we're sitting at number one, arguably number one. Um, all of our customer facing and support functions are actually based here in New Zealand, and I make that distinction as against other businesses that might have uh, you know in part, parts of their support functions offshore. Uh, and all decisions are made are made locally. Um, I mean, yeah, I saw you won a customer award. Just it was on your Facebook. Yeah, we're pretty chuffed with that. Yeah, yeah. the team uh, we were not expecting because it was our first year of applying um, uh, and going through that process. And I have to say, the team who's right in front of me right now um, were absolutely delighted to um, to win that award. There's a lot of work's gone into that, so that's our sales support area. Um, I think I mentioned like customer wise, we, we are business to business only and we've got uh, just on 3000 customers, anything from some of our large multinationals and corporates where they've got a thousand vehicles with us, right down to heaps of plumbers and electricians and small business operators. And that's New Zealand's a bit, Kiwis are about small business um, and that's that's the place we, we play. And most of the, those large customers, uh, many of the small ones have been with us for forever as sole supply. Some of our longer standing customers have been with us 30 years. So we kind of say in some respects we're a bit boring because all we do is motor vehicle leasing. Um, But we like to think like we're sniper rifle, we're really really good at what we focus on. Yeah, yeah. I saw you... I was just quite surprised how big you were because I was been on the website, Kiwi website, and it's like, oh, I'll go on the Australian website. I was like, geez, there's a lot going on there. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of different areas. Um, Why do people... Just leasing overview. Why do people lease? What's yeah, the advantage well, of leasing? Well, it's um, it's a question that probably doesn't get asked enough, to be honest. Like, uh, I think the way I'd, I'd summarise it, if you think about from a, from a business's point of view, 
it's all about best use of your capital, right? Um, if you, you and I are shareholders in a business and we've got limited capital, limited resources, you want to be investing that capital in stuff that makes money. Like if we're, I don't know, growing fruit or we're building stuff or we're exporting or we're importing, whatever we might be, even if, you know, real retail, investing in stock that sells where you're getting really decent margins, that's where you want to tie your capital up. Um, and rather than going out and buying a vehicle, like vehicles depreciate. I've been in this game far too long, but you know, I've never seen vehicles go up in value. They're always going down. It's just how fast they're going down in value. Um, and you know, most businesses are absolute experts in, in what they do, but vehicles isn't what they do. Vehicles is what we do. So hence leasing. Leasing gives you certainty first and foremost. There's one monthly rental, covers everything covers um, all the aspects of maintenance, tyres, um, uh, servicing, repairs, windscreen replacements, managing of fuel, um, managing of charging if you're in EV, even things like uh, accident management, roadside assist, driver training, they all can be wrapped up in one monthly rental. That rental is 100% tax deductible as a business expense. Um, and, and we just see it's just a far better solution to a business over the options of owning or using um, you know, their bank funding lines or using finance company funding lines. Why would you do that for stuff that's a depreciating a depreciating asset? And the last bit I'll toss in is that, you know, our buying power, you know, we, uh, Kiwis, we're not, not good at bragging, but we buy more um, vehicles than, than most businesses in New Zealand. So we've got really good buying power for buying the vehicle in the first place. And then with maintenance and repairs, um, we work with our suppliers, but we, we command a really good deal when it comes to service and repair work because we can give them certainty of supply. And that actually translates into the monthly rental because it's a competitive game. We have to compete on price. So there's a, there's a lot of wins from a supply chain point of view um, for someone to, to move to leasing. Um, I would point out that we don't lease to private individuals. We only lease to GST registered entities. And if you're a private individual, it's I, I can't see there's any advantage over um, other other forms of um, of ownership. Mm. Um, just on the fee, I sort of want to move into the EV side of things. Yep. Um, how's what size? How's that ha- progressing in in your area? Well, I've been at this game far too long, Adrian. But I tell you what, it's the biggest single change that's happened since Henry Ford invented the Model T, basically. Um, so 2017 in our business, we had no EVs. And in fact, we couldn't even fund them. Our funders couldn't get their heads around. Are these things going to blow up? You know, Are they going to last or are they just a flash in the pan? Since then, there's been a massive uptick in the, um, in the take-up of battery electric vehicles um, in, in our fleet and in the market in the market generally. So to give you an idea, at any one time, our forward order book for vehicles um, on order waiting to supply is around 100 million. Half of that would be utes and vans. I'll just park them to a side for one moment because there's no really viable battery electric option. So if we look at the other 50%, which is cars and SUVs, right now, 30% of that 50%, if you follow my my maths, are BEVs or PHEVs. So that's from 2017 being zero to where we sit now. And, you know, if I had a whiteboard, I'd draw you a graph. Um, 
it's just exponential growth with the uptake of, of BEVs. Now, what's driving that? There's a number of things driving it. If any business, um, midsize and large, typically, if you ask them the question, what about your CO2 footprint? They're really interested in saving the planet. Like this isn't, it's not bulldust anymore. Like people have really bought into the fact if we don't do something, then, you know, there is no planet B, as someone really tritely said. So there's a real commitment from businesses to lower their CO2 footprint. The best way of doing that is getting out of the, the big, um, you know, four and six cylinder or, um, uh, diesels and petrol and getting into BEV. So big drive from businesses to move that way. And then as part of that process is just looking at, we call, call it fit for purpose. Does someone need a ute to do their job when it turns out, well, they never actually go off-road and they never carry anything in the back? They could be in an, an SUV, for instance, that's a full-blown BEV or a plug-in hybrid to do their job. So there's a lot of shift in businesses now uh, around moving away from um, petrol and diesel and into into BEV, um, a, a massive shift. Shift. I mean, we've got businesses like we've got Waka Kotahi as a customer, and they were, you know, government entity, and they were um, obviously given the mandate right at the start to um, to switch to BEV, um, and they they have uh, the government commitment is to be 100 um, percent BEV by 2025 where you can. So um, that's one example. We've got Office Max have just shifted out of uh, petrol vehicles into. Uh, a mix of BEV and plug-in hybrids. We've got main freight as a customer. Now you can't get a line haul transport truck that works as a BEV, but you, all of their all of their management fleets now in BEVs. Um, we've got Ravensdown Fertilizer, where you know their guys and girls are out visiting farmers, so you know they need something that can travel rough terrain and probably do pretty big k's. But again, their management team or um, those that are you know travelling closer to home. You know, likewise, switching in into um, BV. Um, you know, so th there is a, a massive shift. Um, and you know, just to my right here, I've got a list of our top 50, and every single one of them would be somewhere down that pathway. Um, I think the next thing that will happen, like one of the difficulties at the moment, there's no viable Ute. Um, there's a couple of options, but there's really not something that's going to handle the, the tough, rough and tough uh, applications that a, a lot of utes are put to in New Zealand. If you think about, I don't know, the Department of Conservation fleet, not we don't have that fleet, but I know, you know, they're pretty rough stuff. And some of the, the big um, agribusiness businesses, they do need something that's a little bit more rugged, but that'll come. Uh, you'll see that Ford's just announced a, a plug-in hybrid Ranger. Uh, we know Toyota's working on a plug-in hybrid um, Hilux, and you know once they come to market, I think you'll see um, the shift. The other thing that's happening, prices coming down. Like, you know, the first Tesla that came out that we leased was one hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and it was viewed as rightfully so viewed as a luxury car. Well, now we're down to some of the new Chinese vehicles coming in on stream of forty-five grand. And that, that's in the space of three or four years. So imagine if you dial that forward another four or five years, the, the, there'll be a tipping point hit where battery electric will be cheaper to buy than an ICE equivalent, an internal combustion engine equivalent. Yeah, I saw that you got the BYD Dolphin on there, um, on, on your front website there, on the front page. Yeah, BYD is an amazing story. Like who had heard of BYD? Like nobody. Yeah. 20 years ago, it didn't even exist as an organisation. They, and then they made batteries to start with, um, and then 
you know, next minute here they are producing a, an awesome motor vehicle. I've had the uh, uh, opportunity to drive the product and it's absolutely beautifully put together. Sounds like a plug for BYD, but they outsold Tesla last year um, internationally, you know, around the world. They outsold Tesla, which of course was the the groundbreaking um, battery electric vehicle when it hits the, hit the market. And I think, Adrian, we're going to see more coming out of China. Um, there's been improvements like uh, MG have just brought out the MG4, uh, which is a big step forward from it, the, the previous. Um, yeah, I've driven that. That was very impressive. Yeah. yeah. Really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, well, we talk about fit and finish, well put together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just got in there. I went, oh, this is really, this is impressive. Yeah. And um, goes fast and solid. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just felt like, a, well, it's a normal car, I guess. But yeah, I was really impressed with that. That's got really good reviews. Everyone that's reviewed it gives it pretty sort of top top marks. Yeah, and in the fleet space, that's 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 the sort of vehicle that um, appeals for many businesses, not all. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, that's where the opportunity uh, lies. I think we'll see prices coming down, supply becoming more freely available, um, and we've got manufacturers now, as you know, that they've actually said we're going to stop making internal combustion engine vehicles full stop by 2025 or 2030. Um, yeah, so it, it is coming back to your question. It's a massive shift. Um, we're just happy to be able to help businesses a, along the way. And the other thing that happens, obviously, is every new one we lease, three years' time, we're going to be selling that into the market. So mum and dad will be able to go and buy one of those off, off the yard, uh, you know, three years old, done, I don't know, 50, 60, 70,000 Ks. And, um, you know, so that'll have a, a great um, trickle-down effect on the um, on our car park generally in New Zealand. Yeah. Are businesses still sort of concerned about going e going into the sort of the EV space or, or is I, it moved on a little I bit? reckon it's moved on, Adrian. I reckon most businesses now have have got over um, um, oh my God, you know, this is never going to work. How do we charge them? You know, just that whole range anxiety and all of the other stuff. I think the conversation now that we're having is around, okay, how do we practically make this work? Uh, we've got one of the major trading banks we're working with at the moment. Um, they've made the call that they want to move most of their fleet into BV. And so your challenge is, you know, people that take the vehicle home at night. Some people own their house, some people rent, some people are flatting, some people are in a high-rise apartment. So if you're going to provide charging infrastructure, it's not like one stamp, one cookie cut fits everybody. Um, and it's really coming up with a solution using the likes of ChargeNet and, and other uh, public um, charging facilities, having charging facilities at their premises um, and having all of those options, a, di a different mindset. Our own fleet here at work, uh, we've moved to uh, BEV and it is a shift in mindset about um, how you go about your normal week. It's like you plug your phone in at night, right? Probably the last thing we all do before we go to sleep is plug the phone in and plug it in the morning. Um, same approach with the car. Yeah. Oh, you've got that, the PDF, I saw the car, uh, journey to carbon zero that sort of help people, isn't it? It gives a nice explanation of the steps people need to take. Yeah. The five steps to carbon zero, that's, you know, we pulled that together after some learnings um, in the early stages of, you know, the sort of things we came across. And uh, probably the one key thing that came out of that, Adrian, is at the moment on that list, it's got number five is engage your staff. What we often say now is number five comes at the front. Number five is actually number one, uh, engage with your staff early. Um, 
there's a business that we've uh, we do business with called Electrix, uh, which is a very well-known brand uh, in New Zealand, and they are looking to uh, to migrate to uh, a BEV solution. And uh, their their approach, I think, is the right way to go is to get as many bums and seats in the business to try as many different BEVs as possible. Um, and then, you know, you can't run a business by consensus, but you can certainly get, you know, everyone's input and land on something. Everyone says, hey, this is really cool. I love driving it. You know, that's the talk in the lunchroom. Makes it so much easier rather than people resisting it. Um, yeah. We learned that in the early stages with one of our customers. We had um, we had BEVs and um, plug-in, uh, sorry, BEVs and uh, normal ICE vehicles in their pool fleet. And when these vehicles came back off lease, the BEVs had done next to no case. And that's because we hadn't actually engaged with the staff, explained, you know, that when you turn this on, you're not going to hear anything. You're not going to get electrocuted if you're driving in the rain or go through a puddle and, you know, all the other things that were in people's minds. Um, yeah, but back to your point, I think it's moved. It's moved now to charging. Have we got a vehicle that's fit for purpose? Um, you know, fleets are even challenging to the point like do we actually need the fleet size that we've got now do we need the number of vehicles we've got um sounds sort of counter to what i should be selling mm. being in a leasing company but hey you know do you need 100 vehicles or could you get away with 70 because take 30 vehicles out of your fleet you're going to drop your co2 footprint hugely so kiwi's um Days gone by, everyone got a company car. Like you'd made yeah. it when you got a company car, yeah. right? I'm a manager now and I've got a company car. Woohoo, you know. Whereas now it's like, do you actually need a car to do your job or can you, you know, get to work another way? Um, you know, be it by train or bus or, you know, public transport or using your own vehicle uh, as, a, as an option. Yeah. yeah. What about the Australian market comparing to, to the New Zealand operations? Are they sort of in the. in the same sort of space or are they a bit behind? Yeah, or? they're a bit behind us. Um, I ran our Australian business for three years. And I got I got to know it pretty well. But where I'd start ask, answering that question, Adrian, is to point out that I think we're at 85 going on 87% um, from renewable energy uh, for New Zealand electricity supply, which is amazing. So that's the geothermal, hydroelectric, uh, wind power and so forth. Australia, I think, uh, someone will shoot me if I get this wrong, but I think they're in the 20s. Uh, and my, so most of it's coming from firing up those good old coal power stations they're digging a lot of holes still. dig a lot of holes um yeah they're doing a lot of work with with wind and with um solar especially in south australia i understand um so there's, there's that there's that situation and then the other just just the tyranny of distance right it's a yeah. massive massive country and long distances compared to new zealand so when you start thinking about uh infrastructure for charging they've got some challenges but i think they um because I get to see the stats from our Australian business, they've come from a, a standing start behind us to doing the sort of volumes uh, plus our volumes now, and I, th I think it'll it'll absolutely take off. They've got some tax breaks that they've put there. Um, um, there's no FBT on uh, BEVs in Australia, which is huge, big big tax break. So that's made a big difference to demand, as the clean car scheme is done here in New Zealand. Um, but I, I come back to, I, I love our story because, you know, our, our power largely is not coming from coal-fired and, and, you know, irrespective of which government get in, I know the commitment's there to try and lift that lift that bar up to 90, 95% from renewable resources, which is a fantastic story. Mm. 
Just on um, maybe just a specific, what cars are actually being leased at the moment, the EVs? Is there a particular, I know it's all fit for purpose, as you mentioned, but is there sort of a bit of a go-to where people will ask first? Yeah. Um, a, a number of manufacturers will shoot me for getting this uh, wrong, but I'll, get, I'll give it my best shot. Hyundai were... Uh, of course, Tesla were first and foremost into yeah. the market, and you know, with the Tesla S and the X, and they were, I'll call them aspirational vehicles in the early days because they were well, well north of a hundred grand to throw. Um, and then they've come come through with the three, which is always going to be the um, the people's car for want of a better description. And the Y, it's absolutely bulletproof product, uh, beautifully put together, uh, and they still hold a commanding position in the market. Um, and I've just come from a meeting this morning where we're talking about delivery of uh, a number of Teslas. The other, the other importer and distributor that's done extraordinarily well as an early adopter is Hyundai, mm. Hyundai product. And I know, you know, that comes with, you know, you've got to have some balls to be bringing in fully blown BEVs, you know, back in 2017, 18, 19, when they're not, the uptake wasn't that great. Um, and they, I think they've done a marvellous job in um, being sort of at the forefront of rollout of um, BV technology in New Zealand. And again, it's absolutely bulletproof uh, product, beautifully put together. Um, and they still hold a very commanding position, Hyundai. Um, and then you probably turn your attention to China. Uh, and we just mentioned uh, MG before. But BYD, boy, is that... Um, that's really set the benchmark, I think. As I said, they outsold Tesla last year. Um, high quality product, great price points. Um, so as at today, um, looking out at our our sales team, they're probably in that uh, Hyundai, BYD, MG zone. Um, now, no disrespect to the likes of Volkswagen. I mean, that's a fabulous product. It's really just come into the market. I'd say that's more of an aspirational uh, brand. It's pretty more um, mid to high end consumer focused, but it's beautifully put together. Um, I drove a Golf R for four years, which was one of the best cars I ever ever had. And I get in that ID4. I don't know whether you've had a chance to drive that, Adrian, but that, I've, that is I've a had beautiful. A, I've weapon. had a sit in it. Yeah. I've driven the Skoda, the Enyaq. Yeah. I was going to mention the Skoda. What'd you think of that? That was really nice. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It was because um, that was before it was kind of weird because that came up before the Volkswagen. So you're driving the Skoda before the Volkswagen was available. It's a bit it's yeah, sub brand kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, nice a nice drive. Yeah, a sub brand that's outselling the main brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think those are probably because we're very much a tool of trade. I mean, we do some exotic stuff for you know the senior executives of some businesses, but our stock and trade is what. You know, you typically find a sales reps driving, or a tech guy, uh, or someone in a in a sales uh, a sales role um, day to day, um, and and those are the brands because price point wise, they value for money. We talk about whole of life cost modelling, and we can demonstrate that over time, those are the, those are the best value for money um, vehicles. Yeah. 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 Okay. So and sort of into the next five years, where you're seeing the EVs? I guess again, you know, the Utes going to sort of come in and that space. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the piece that's missing at the moment. I think is, um, well, not I think I know is uh, a viable um, option for um, people that really do need to have a a Ute or a van. Um, I mean, let's talk about vans for a second. So, out of Europe, you know, they don't have Utes in Europe. Every, you know, we have Utes for every man and his dog here in Europe. In Europe, they're in vans. Those people that are those uh, tech people or whoever's driving around in a Ute. 
the issue is weight, um, how much weight you need to carry um, because uh, the BEV vans at the moment, because of the weight of the battery, um, they can't carry that much and, and they don't get much range. But that's going to resolve itself with battery technology. This talk of the solid state battery technology coming on stream. I'm not the techo, but what I've been told is it's way lighter. Now that's going to be a game changer if you're, if you're in a van you'll be able to carry that weight and you'll still get a reasonable um, distance out of the out of the battery. Um, and then back to that ute space, yeah, we're going we're to see Ford, we're going to see, um, we're going to see Toyota come, uh, BYD, uh, they're threatening to bring a van to the market, uh, sorry, a ute to the market, that'd be amazing, uh, see what they they can achieve. Um, yeah, they've got one, haven't they, because they keep showing sort of photos of yeah, it yeah. and mentioning it. Yeah, yeah. And look, one thing about us Kiwis, we are early adopters, right? We'll have a crack at anything. And I think that's what's happened with BEVs is that we've got over the initial reticence or concern. Now people are into it. And I reckon if the product turns up and it, it can do the job, we'll, we'll be in boots and all. From our point of view, um, you know, we're happy to take the risk again. You know, we take the risk as to what one of these is going to be worth in three or four years' time. Sometimes we get it wrong. <laughs> um, so, again, that, why would you lease? You know, you're better to lease, you know, leading-edge technology. Lease it. Don't go and buy the damn thing. So let us uh, be worried about what one of these is going to be worth in three or four years' time. What's the battery degradation going to do? What's value? And all the other things that keep our risk people awake at night. Yeah, but the next five years, I reckon it's, we'll see a, an absolute massive shift. Um, and then from there, it's going to be you won't be able to buy an ICE vehicle. You know, um, the, the BV will be, um, it will cover the entire market. Hydrogen, um, hydrogen maybe for line haul transport, absolutely, and some of the bigger, bigger kit. Um, I think the consensus is hydrogen will occupy that space. But for light vehicles, passenger light commercials, it'll be uh, electric. Mm. Yeah, and maybe just um, maybe you want to mention your own your own podcast. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Old dogs and new tricks, mate. Uh, we've we've done a couple, and uh, you're getting more used to it as we go. But we're, we're really just trying to, uh, I guess, share some of our experiences more broadly. And um, so we've had Office Max on um, Kevin Oburn, the managing director, talking about their experience and. Shifting, shifting across. Uh, we had Richard, of course, the uh, the, the expert um, car guy. And coming up, I've, I've actually got Warren Wilmot, who's um, the New Zealand uh, managing director for BYD. He's going to tell us about the BYD story. So that's coming up next. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to mention, sort of as a sort of a summary? Oh, I just uh, come back to my comment that I think um, if. It's the biggest change. Um, sounds like an exaggeration, but since the invention of the Model T, this is the biggest single change that's happened in the motoring industry. And I think people are still thinking about what the knock-on effects are going to be. I mean, just one little thing. Teslas don't have a scheduled servicing regime. It actually says if you're feeling like your car needs to be looked at, bring it in. But otherwise, there's no scheduled servicing. Um, uh, brake pads uh, replaced uh, rotors sorry, at 100,000 kilometres. So if you start thinking about the impacts of that, I'm in a Polestar, its first service is at 30,000 Ks. Um, so it's going to change um, the industry forever. Um, if you think about all of the garages and service and repair places, they actually, um, they're not going to be needed with, with BV. And then people are concerned about batteries and what happens in, in, you know, at the end of life. The answer is 
they've got a use. They'll be parked outside your garage, tied to your solar on your roof for a period of time. And then I saw a report the other day, like 98% of these batteries is, are recyclable. So already, you know, if you uh, you see Prius, Priuses, the batteries are being replaced, um, reconditioned, and away they go again. So I don't see any downtime, uh, downside. I, I see this solid-state battery is going to be another step change because of that weight, the fact that it's going to be lighter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really, really exciting times, and I'm just really happy to be involved with it, Adrian. Yeah, that's very good. But uh, finish on. Thanks for your time, Dennis. Cool. Right, thanks, Adrian.